0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussions and Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5E and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Britton. And I'm Jaron. And this week, we're starting a beginner-friendly series where we discuss each class for all of those who are unfamiliar or interested in playing a specific class. So this week... Uh, Jaren, I want you to go ahead, because I know you are chomping at the bit to talk about probably one of your favorite classes. So go ahead and introduce it and take it away.
1: Right, so I'm talking about druids this week. Um, It's one of my favorite classes, one of the first classes that I played, and they're a really versatile class. Uh, It actually was recommended uh, to me to avoid Druid because they're kind of complex for new players, but I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun to play, and uh, if you're willing to learn a bit, it's a really cool class and gives you a lot of options. So my 30-second elevator speech for why Druids are so cool. Um, They are a a class, they're a casting class that connects their magic uh, through their bond with the natural world, meaning plants and animals and the natural world around them. Um, there are two big reasons why you want to pick Druid. Uh, first is the fact that they can wild shape. They can turn into other beast animals. And the second reason um, is the subclass features that sound interesting to you. And I'll, I'll kind of go through those. Um, as I mentioned, they're kind of a, a middle-of-the-road difficulty class just because they're so versatile in what role they can play, um, what they can pick. The subclasses are pretty neat. And um, as a casting class, you kind of have to know what all the spells do so there's going to be a bit of homework and a bit of reading up front if you do decide to play druid but it's well worth the payoff and there's a good range of unique uh, they're called druid circles different subclasses there's a good range of uh, individuality and uniqueness in each one of those um, so, as I mentioned, wild shape being one of the the big reasons that you want to take Druid. Um, some of my early favorites is, uh, like, for example, uh, you can transform into a boar, which, you know, is pretty beefy. They've got this uh, charge mechanic, and they have this uh, mechanic called Relentless, where if you take 7 or less damage and it would kill it, you instead just go to 1 hit point instead. Um... There's a really cool thing in the Circle of the Moon Druid, which I'll get into, uh, where you can transform into a Dire Wolf. They're really big wolf. They get this thing called Pack Tactics, which gives them a better chance to hit. They do a, a, a pretty good chunk of damage, 2d6 plus 3 piercing damage uh, at second level, which is which quite a bit. And uh, then you also, with that, acquire the hit points of the thing you transform into, which if you have a Dire Wolf, that is 37 hit points. is quite a lot for a second level. Um, So we're going to get into some of those in a second, but uh, as I mentioned, they're basically a full casting class. uh, Which means they get access to level 2 spells at 3rd level, and level 3 spells once they hit 5th level. Um, Some of my personal favorites with those is at 2nd level you have things like Flaming Sphere and Heat Metal, Hold Person, uh, Moonbeam, which is a really cool spell where you can kind of move around this damage around the battlefield and keep it. you cast it once and you can move it around. Um, you have a really awesome spell called Pass Without a Trace, which your party is going to love you for because it means that they all are getting a plus 10 to their stealth checks. Um, and then you have a really versatile spell at second level uh, called Spike Growth, uh, which is really awesome for uh, doing crowd control in combat. And then some of my, my favorite third level spells you have things like Call Lightning, which is really great for doing damage, uh, Dispel Magic, which is a really flexible and versatile spell uh, depending on the situation. And then you have sort of a, a core thematic thing to druids—a spell called Speak with Plants, which I think is undervalued and underutilized. It allows you to communicate with uh, the, the, the surrounding natural world around you and give them temporary sentience, so that you can ask them questions and say, "Hey, did you notice any suspicious-looking things coming through here? Did you see uh, a person that looks like this? Which way did they go?" Um, you know, so you can ask questions to a tree. You know, I think it's kind of neat. Um, they get uh, full access to the, the list of Druid spells and they can change what those spells are, what the, what they're, what they're want to cast for that day at the start of every day. Uh, so it is unlike some other classes where they only have a certain amount. They only have certain spells. Like for example, wizards can only have access to the spells that are actually in their spell book. Druids have the whole list. So that's why I say they're kind of a, a medium difficulty class. you got to do a lot of homework and read what the spells do, so you can make intelligent choices about what you want to have prepared. Um, and since you're preparing that every day, you might decide, well, based on the situation, I want to pick something different. So it really helps to do that initial homework up front and know what you're what you want to prepare. Um, their their main stats that they're going to be based around is intelligence and wisdom, but mainly wisdom, since that's what your spell casting uh, ability uh, score is, is going to be based on. Your difficulty class abilities based on your wisdom. Uh, typically, their typical proficiencies is going to be nature-based things, um, with, the, with the exception of things like uh, metal armor. They, they can't wear metal armor for some reason. Just a, a thing that is written into the rules of druids. Um, the things that they're going to be proficient in skill-wise is usually stuff like, and this is not the full list, but it's usually things like... Animal handling, perception, survival, nature, etc. Uh, depending on your background and which direction you want to take with your druid, they're really good at um, knowing their surroundings, uh, being able to be observant and perceptive, uh, being able to, you know, just sc- uh, scour the land and, and figure out, you know, well, here's a good spot for a ca- uh, to set up camp for the night. Let me uh, go and check out the land and see if I can um, scrounge up some plants that I can turn into. You know uh some sort of healing salve maybe i don't know um when i was playing druid i was very high perceptive and i took a feat that made that even better um so i think that's one direction you can take with druids but that's typically their their proficiencies um a, a brief overview of some of the subclasses uh, this is not all of them but these are the probably the best ones the ones that you really want to consider uh, as i mentioned one of the reasons that you want to take druids is their wild shape and the other reason is the interesting subclasses and there is actually one that does both of those the first subclass I want to give a brief uh, overview of is the circle of the moon um, Now, once you hit level three you you pick one of these subclasses so this is something that it, it happens a little bit um, later on into, uh, into your time playing druid unless you're starting at the third level anyways circle of the moon is all about that wild shape it lets you change into stronger stuff a lot faster and at 10th level you get to transform into an elemental which is a really powerful thing that you can transform into. Um, and to give you an example of some of the the strength of this early stuff, as I mentioned earlier, um, with Circle of the Moon, you can transform into stuff as high as challenge rating 1, which, as the example, was that Dire Wolf, giving you pack tactics, which is an advantage on uh, attack rolls if you have an ally within uh, range of the thing you're attacking. You get a, a bonus to hitting. Um, you do a, a lot of damage, and you get a lot of bonus hit points. Um, whereas... Normally druids can transform into something as high as a challenge rating one-fourth, which in the example was the boar, um, which Still good. It's just not as strong as the dire wolf and then as you level up you get to transform into more uh, powerful things um, So circle of the moon is all about transforming into those uh, powerful beasts so primarily that's what you're gonna be doing with that class if you want to if you like the idea of uh, transforming into powerful beasts all the time um, definitely take Circle of the Moon. If you, if you don't want to be more of a... You still have access to spells, but primarily you're focusing on what you can transform into. So it's still going to require you to do a little bit of research and figure out what is you know, what actually can you transform into. Um, but it's it's really powerful, and I think uh, that's the, the first thing to consider. Um, some of the other non-beast shape subclasses um there is one called circle of spores uh, which is a really cool uh, subclass based on this idea this thematic idea of uh this cycle of life death and decay and using that to your advantage um most of the subclasses that are not circle of the moon have these things called circle spells once you hit third level you start getting access to them and they open up as you level up um, But but are spells that just are always prepared for you, and you just ha- have access to them. Sometimes they're druid spells, sometimes they might not be, but these are thematic spells uh, based on the subclass. So, Circle of Spores is going to have a-, a lot of these life and death based uh, spells that open up to you, and you're using this um, this idea of life, death, and decay to your advantage. Um, in a later section, we we'll talk about like how the playstyle works. I'll kind of get into that. Um, but that is, that is the first, uh, well, the second subclass that I think is really interesting. Um, there is the Circle of Wildfire, which is all about burninating in the countryside. And it's this idea, it kind of furthers this idea of uh, new life through death, right? Um, it also has sort of some them- thematic fire-based uh, circle spells. The really cool thing about this subclass is the ability to summon a Wildfire Spirit, at second level, which is a really powerful thing um, that lets you do some cool stuff. For example, uh, once you summon at second level, uh, it's got a pretty good attack. The really cool thing that you can do with it is this action called Fiery Teleportation, which lets you and the spirit, um, or another willing creature that you can see, you can teleport up to 15 feet away, and anybody that's in within that range that you teleported from then takes some fire damage. So it's a really cool thing in combat. Let's say you're like surrounded by a bunch of stuff. You can just poof out of there with your uh, wildfire spirit, and they take a bunch of fire damage, and uh, you're safe. So uh, I really like that idea. And later on, it kind of connects uh, to you in the form of letting you uh, regain life. And once you really get up there, um, if you're going to die and you get your Wildfire Spirit up there, you can just say the Wildfire Spirit dies, and you get to get reborn almost like a rising phoenix out of the ashes, regaining a bunch of hit points, and you're back in the combat. Uh, so I really like this subclass too. It's pretty strong. And then the last subclass that I want to talk about for Druid is the Circle of the Stars. This is a really cool one that's kind of constellation-based and um, gives you things like the Starry Form, which lets you do cool things, uh, like shooting off this a uh, spectral starry arrow or regaining hit points or um, helping you or your allies roll better on certain checks uh, or saves. Um, and at a certain point, you get the ability to fly with it. It's really cool. Um, and when we talk about the uh, the different play styles, I'll, I'll get into that. So those are some of the subclasses that I, that I really like and am excited about with, with Druid and why you should play Druid, because it's a really fun class. Uh, so generally, the play style of Druid They're kind of a mid-range class. They're a bit of a Swiss army knife in that they can fulfill many different roles depending on what the party needs. But generally speaking, druids kind of play mid-range when it comes to combat. Uh, Sometimes attacking at range with crowd control spells like Spike Growth, which makes it really uh, kind of a a not fun day for your enemies and they have to take damage whenever they move. Um, Or they're they're casting damaging spells from range like Moonbeam or Flaming Sphere. Um, Well, at the same time, if they do happen to get into melee combat, they can cast stuff like Shillelay, which makes their staff magical and do a bunch of damage. Um, Beyond that, the playstyle kind of depends on which druid circle you decide to go with. Um, We kind of talked about uh, the Circle of the Moon, but basically, if you're Circle of the Moon, you're going to be using your Wild Shape a lot for combat purposes. Um, Then at 10th level, you get that ability to transform into an elemental that's really the, the kind of all there is to the Circle of the Moon. You're just transforming into, into beasts that are more and more powerful as you level up. Um, now, Circle of the Spores, you're kind of more uh, more of a melee fighter, um, especially early games. You have this really cool thing called Halo Spores, which lets you deal extra melee damage. Uh, mid-game, you have this cool thing called Fungal Infestation, which lets you target something that just died and reanimate it under your control. Uh, again, going with that thematic idea of the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. Um, then, with uh, Circle of the Stars, you're most likely playing more of a ranged druid who relies on this spell called Guiding Bolt in the early game. Um, in the meantime, using up your class features to buff up your allies, um, your starry forms giving you uh, more damage, and your ally giving your allies more healing and buffs to their dice rolls. And lastly, with Circle of the Wildfire, it's all about that Wildfire Spirit. So you're most likely using um, the other things, your other spells, your other features to uh, keep them safe, keep them all healed up, um, and keep yourself safe. And uh, in a bind, you and your spirit, like I mentioned, in a bind, you and your spirit can teleport away and deal some fire damage. Um, So that's kind of the the play styles for, uh, for those Circles. And that's why Druid's awesome.
0: And there you have it, folks. I mean... I don't think I could have said it better myself. You know, I I really enjoy Druids. I think that because of their wild shape, um, they can be super useful to their team. They're able to, um, you know, like be very adaptive to a situation. Um, you know, you could be a shark and swim underwater. You could be a bird at some point and soar over mountains. You could be a badger and burrow tunnels for your party. You know, it's... it's they're a uh, a Swiss Army caster. Absolutely, I think that's really cool.
1: And uh, if you look at the the party composition and go, well, we don't really have anybody that's great at keeping us alive. We don't really have a healer. Uh, well, druid has access to healing spells, and they have access to things like uh, bark skin, which gives your uh, yourself or your allies uh, higher AC, and makes them harder to hit. Um, so there's a really there's a lot of versatility and flexibility with druids. Um, they're kind of the Swiss Army knife, but they're they're good at what they do. They're not uh, sort of the jack of all trades, master of none. I think whatever they decide to do, they're pretty good at.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, and I like that. You know, they are. It, it is a very nature based class. They get their magic from nature. They tend to be more naturalistic to their to their lifestyle, um, and you know, there's there's. If you choose to have this in your campaign, um, sometimes some DMs like to have the Dryads being a, a permanent part of their campaign, where it's a network of Druids that are just across the countryside that are, that are, you know, in line towards a common goal. And I think that, you know, this kind of secret society of Dryads that protect nature and want to preserve life across, you know, state lines, country lines that knows no bounds. I think that's also really, really cool.
1: A lot of uh, fun things to discover with druids, and we certainly didn't cover everything. This is just a uh, more or less my 15-minute presentation on why druids are so fun and and, and awesome to play. So you'll have to go and discover some of those more quirky and and, uh, niche spells for yourself and decide what what you really like. Um, Like I said, I didn't touch on everything, but just the really cool stuff that I really like.
0: Yeah. So we're going to change gears here now and talk about my favorite class. And I think, you know, we've made a couple jokes throughout uh, these episodes of Discussions and Dragons that I am the resident cleric player of basically all of my my groups that I've ever been in. And that is correct. Uh, cleric is my favorite class. I love them so much. I've made, I think, three or four now. And I'm going to make another one for the upcoming Rhyme of the Frostmaiden campaign that you're running, Jaren. Um, So, spoiler alert, here comes more clerics. Now, I'm going to give my 15-minute elevator pitch on why I think that clerics are the bee's knees, and you should play it. (laughs) So, I think that the word cleric tends to conjure a specific image of a very pious person in robes, speaking the word of God to downtrodden, and the, uh, the... unable to protect themselves, and you would be right, sometimes. Clerics are a conduit for divine power. Um, They are sometimes thought of as healers and warriors, but make no mistake, clerics can also be avatars to inflict curses and devastating blows on behalf of their god. And as I said, these are not your typical priests that, you know, shirk the shirk the cloth to pick up a sword and no these these people are truly chosen by their god to enact a higher calling regardless of their severity of their piety their power comes from their devotion to their god and upholding these beliefs and are essentially agents of their will now a lot of their features and spells can be centered around healing and buffing your allies. Like, you know, how how Jiren had said that there's a couple uh, druid-specific spells that um, seem a little bit more nature-based. I think you said Thorn Whip, and there's, like, Spike Growth and things like that. Now, there are more pious-related spells that are specific to clerics, like Spirit Guardians. This is typically the bread-and-butter of a cleric, uh, spirit guardians, as well as um, spiritual weapon. Now, spirit spirit guardians, the, the spirits of the dead flit around you and are able to deal damage around you. And other creatures that are in them that are non-friendly to you, their speed is reduced and they take that damage. So you're using the, the ancestors of the past of, of your your chosen deity to assist you in battle, or you can use spiritual weapon where you are creating a floating spectral weapon that takes the form of uh, whatever your God may may be, you know, like if you are a god of Valkyr, a, god, a champion of sailors, this spectral weapon may appear as a trident. Or if you are a a god of Pelor, the god of the sun and agriculture, it may appear as a scythe or a pitchfork or any sort of farming equipment if you'd like. That's what my uh, my old Pelorian cleric uh, it appeared as a scythe as like a, you know, your your typical farming equipment because he was a farmer back in the day. And, you know, there are many other spells that I think are really cool, like some of the buffing spells, like you have Bless, where you can help your allies get a better chance of attacking or being able to um, mass cure wounds. If there are many uh, allies on the battlefield that are hurt, being able to heal them all at once. Um, Again, we are slipping into the healing battery, but we'll go over that in a second. So the type of class that this class is is a full caster just like the druid where you're getting these higher levels that you know I think the delineation of, of uh half caster to full caster as well full casters could cast up to ninth level spells and they have access to cantrips which are low-level spells that don't do as much damage or don't have these major effects but you can cast them at will and you don't have to worry about running out of your magical power. Um, and they are also a tank. Now this is unique to Dungeons and Dragons classes there are not other classes that are full casters that can wear heavy armor and have a high AC or armor class, which makes things harder to hit you. This makes clerics unique in the sense of they are not overpowered in the damage that they deal, but they can throw themselves in the middle of fights, not worry too much about getting hit by swords and flying arrows, and still cast these amazing holy spells. The main stat or the the stat that you'll be using the most is wisdom. Just like druids, they are a wisdom-based class because they're not reading books to learn their spells. Their spells are divinely given to them by, you know, nature, or in this case, their gods. Um, You kind of want to follow that up with either strength or dex. You could either be a heavy-hitting, heavy armor-wearing cleric that carries a shield and a huge mace and uh, is clanking around and casting these spells, or... There are domains that support dexterous clerics that wear medium armor and maybe have two swords or throw daggers, whatever have you. Um, so what makes clerics unique other than, you know, what I just mentioned, uh, they're kind of thing that I like to say. I feel like every class has a thing, like druids having wild shape. Uh, clerics have what's known as channel divinity. So your channel divinity is influenced by your subclass, but every cleric has the same one universally that they can use, and that is called turn undead. Now, essentially, you are presenting your holy symbol and calling upon your god, and any undead within a certain area around you are turned, which is basically they turn and make their way away from you as fast as they can. As that levels up, it becomes destroy undead, where simply... Um, if the undead creature is weak enough, it just gets vaporized by your holy power. Now, these other channel divinities based off of your subclasses, I'll go over those uh, in a little bit as we talk about these different subclasses, but they can do some very fantastic things where your God has bestowed this holy power upon you for you to enact some of these miraculous things on and off the battlefield. Another thing that clerics get at 10th level is what's known as divine intervention. Now, this can be a game-breaking mechanic, if you so choose. Um, This did actually uh, help my campaign that I was playing my first cleric in. Essentially, what you're doing is calling upon your god to assist you in a certain event that is happening right at the very moment. Now, take for instance what happened to me. We were looking for a person, uh, which was just, it was a slod a death slot disguised as a person hiding out in this city. We had nowhere to look. It was a brand new city. We would have had to build a rapport with these people to try to investigate. Instead, my character called upon his God and said, hey, we need to find this person. Please show us the way. And I rolled high enough or low enough in this case where my God assisted and showed us the direct path to get to this person. So it's all up to your DM's discretion on how your God helps you and how intense that help is. But I think it's a really cool mechanic for have, to have your cleric be so in tune with their god's intentions and so strong in their convictions that their god is blessing them with this divine knowledge or helping them out on the battlefield. Now, before I get into subclasses, I do want to talk about the play style of clerics. Like I mentioned before, um, clerics are full casters, but also tanks. They can take a lot of blows by bolstering their AC, you know, wearing heavy armor, holding onto shields, um, but also casting a lot of spells. Now, this is balanced in the game by not giving clerics too many damage-dealing spells that do ludicrous amounts of damage, because that It would be kind of ridiculous to throw an unhittable person into the middle of the field, and then they can cast all these spells and everyone's dead, and there's no real use for any other squishy spellcasters. But what is unique to this class is the fact that they are a front lines class. Now, what I mean by that is you're not going to be standing back casting some of these spells, kind of like druids are mid-range to back lines where they don't really want to get hit by a lot because they're not able to wear metal armor. They're not able to take too many blows, whereas clerics can throw themselves into front lines, they can swing their sword, and they can also cast spells. Um, Or they can be protecting their allies on the field with some buffing spells and taking blows for other people. So I think it's really cool that this class has the versatility to maneuver themselves around the battlefield. That's another thing that you'll want to think about when you play clerics, is that you'll want to be Mobile enough to get around to help the people that are in need Um, Now one thing I would like to address when it comes to clerics is They can often be pigeonholed as being the healing batteries of the group I know that's how I started playing clerics in the first place was my DM asked me to play cleric because we didn't have anybody to cast any healing spells and I was a little hesitant at first because I thought that I wasn't going to enjoy just sitting there, um, wasting all of my spell slots on healing people that were damaged. But yes, clerics tend to be a little bit more responsible for buffing and taking care of their allies, but also they are responsible for, you know, casting these warding spells to make sure that fiends or fays or undeads can't even touch your allies or they're responsible for calling down these holy flame strikes to vaporize and vanquish your enemies, um, and you know, with the fact that they have such a comprehensive spell list and a high AC, gives them the ability to cause these devastating or holy events to unfold on the battlefield, while not having to worry about being exposed on the battlefield. So, I like to think of. When I, when I think about creating clerics, I think about the idea of someone who is so strong in their convictions with their beliefs that they are willing to put themselves on the line for the people that they care about, um, which can be, you know, a little goody two shoes. But hey, who doesn't love to be in good graces with their God and touch people and heal all their wounds? So now I, I really briefly want to talk about some of these subclasses that I love uh, for clerics just to give you an idea of some of the stuff that they can do now my first cleric was a life domain cleric uh this was before i had really any idea of xanathars i don't even think that i bought xanathars to begin with so i only had the player's handbook uh life domain is one of the first uh cleric domains or subclasses for you to use um Now, Life Domain is basically what it sounds. It's all about healing and making sure that your allies don't die on the battlefield. Um, All of their additional spells, you know, Cure Wounds, Revivify, um, Mass Cure Wounds, Raise Dead, Death Ward. All of these are really cool spells to make sure that your players don't go down. Um, Your channel divinity that you get is called Preserve Life. Um, as an action, you can present your holy symbol and choose any creatures around you within 30 feet, and use your divine magic to heal them up to um, no more than half their hit point maximum. And it's the 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 amount of of you know healing points that you get levels up as you level up. Um, but it, you know it's a it's more of a, a catch all. All my friends are dying? No, they're not. My god will help you. Um, and you know as you level up you are able to do more with your healing. Your healing spells are far more potent, and um, it's that is a little bit more of the healing battery type, but you know, everyone has their niche, and this, this was just my first character, and I still have a soft spot for life domain clerics because they truly do want to make sure that all their players do not die or all their companions don't die. Um, another one that I think is really cool is on the opposite end of the spectrum, For life, there is death. And I'm not going to talk about death domain because it is a little bit different. I'm going to talk about grave domain. Um, If you are familiar with uh, Critical Role Season 2, Taliesin Jaffe does play a grave domain cleric. Um, And I think, you know, this is on the opposite end of the spectrum rather than the death domain. I think the grave domain is the opposite end of life because you are really trying to send people to the grave. Your channel divinity is called Path to the Grave. um, And as an action, you see a creature within 30 feet of you. And all of that damage that they take um, before their next turn, they have uh, vulnerability to all of that damage. So you are really making sure that the next time they get hit, they're going down. Um, And, you know, you're also able to um, do some of these really devastating blows as you level up. So it's like on the opposite end of life, you have grave to send people to the grave. One of my absolute favorites that came out of... Uh, Tasha's Called of Everything is the Twilight Domain. I cannot wait to play this Domain of Cleric. Um, you know, it's all about serving the night, possibly being a worshiper of the moon, the moon goddess saloon, um, but it's more about protecting people from the horrors of the nighttime. But you could also use your powers, depending on your character's alignment, you can use those powers of the nighttime to be the creature in the night. Um, so your channel divinity that you get. Along with you know, turn undead as you do as a as being a cleric. It's called Twilight Sanctuary. Um, as a as an action, you're presenting your holy symbol once again, as you do as a cleric, often presenting your holy symbol, and you are surrounded by a 30 foot radius sphere that's filled with dim twilight, and it centers on you and it moves with you, and you can grant temporary hit points to your players that end their turn within the bubble. Or you can end an effect such as Charmed or Frightened. Uh, So you are really using this bubble to buff your allies, give them health, and with no action by you, you can just land yourself in the bubble and that is ended for you. And as you level up, that bubble gets even more powerful. You're able to fly while you're in the bubble and you can have half cover while you're in the bubble. It just I think it's so fantastic that they actually built a a subclass around your channel divinity that's something that you'll basically be using every fight in my opinion um but i digress we're not just going to talk again about how i think Cauldron of everything did really good things with clerics um even though i think they really did
1: yeah, but if you want any inspiration if you want any inspiration to play uh twilight clerics just look at the look at the awesome artwork in tasha's page 34 oh check god. it out
0: yeah check that out it looks so cool oh my god
1: that alone makes me want to play twilight cleric
0: Oh, yeah, she looks gorgeous, and the colors and everything. They did a great job, but I digress. Um, Yeah, I guess, you know, maybe that's my elevator pitch. Clerics are really cool. I think that um, there are some downfalls of them getting pigeonholed as being just these pious healers, but, you know, as we saw in my my last War Domain Cleric in your uh, Storm King's Thunder, he wasn't that pious, uh, but he was willing to do what his god wanted him to do to get the job done. He was more about his personal convictions to making sure that his his friends and allies didn't go down on the battlefield. And he was right up there with the best of those fighters, swinging his sword as much as he could, and casting some of these really devastating spells. From
1: what I gather, from what uh, you've, you've gone over, uh, instead of being all about just healing, clerics are kind of all about, you present your holy symbol, and you cast Channel Divinity.
0: Yeah. Basically, depending on the channel divinity that you have, you usually want to use that. Um, And, you know, I think it is kind of cool. Some of these uh, cleric spells do have a biblical feel. Um, We've got Firestorm. We've got Insect Plague. We've got Conjure Celestial. We've got Astral Projection, Holy Aura. You know, some of these do have a little bit of a biblical feel because these are very religious people. You know, like I said, they're not just your average priests. These are people that are chosen for a higher calling for a specific reason. But a lot of these spells in their spell list seem to be more centered around your relation to another person. You know, instead of, uh, you know, wizards and sorcerers that can cast fireball and these incredible explosions or lightning storms There's Zone of Truth, Beacon of Hope, Bestow Curse, Clairvoyance. Um, I think that uh, another one that we used heavily in our last campaign uh, was Warding Bond, where you are placing this ring on another person's finger, and you and that person are bonded as long as you're within 60 feet. They have resistance to all types of damage and they get a plus one bonus to their armor class. You do take as much damage as they do, but you're protecting somebody else and you're willing to take some damage for your allies. Um, So if you kind of want to be the mom friend of the group, pick cleric. If you want to be someone that you get to play with and against your DM, they get to be the voice of your God, pick a cleric. And if you just really want some holy damage to swing a weapon and, cause devastating or incredible miracles to happen on the battlefield pick a cleric um i think they're a very fun class to start with they are like druids in the sense that they can be a little bit more complex with their spell list unlike you know wizards or sorcerers or bards where they have a limited number of spells that they can learn these Uh, Clerics basically get up in the morning, they pray for a certain amount of time, and they get to prepare any spell from their spell list. So you have the entire breadth of all cleric spells that you can pick from and change up daily. So you get to pick and choose what spells are going to be the most useful for you throughout the day. Um, And I think that also makes them very versatile, knowing what situations that you're going into and looking at your spell list and saying what I want to take for the day and how that's going to help my team the best. So there it is, my 15-minute elevator pitch on why I think clerics are super badass, very fun, and can really be an incredible asset to your team.
1: I hope we we sold you on both of these classes.
0: Yeah, and if you are beginners, um, I hope that we were able to give you some more insight as to what the class is, a brief introduction to how this class runs, and maybe get you excited to play either a druid or a cleric. Um, I know... That's something that I like to do is try to get people on the uh, resident cleric team. And I'm sure that you love to have people tell you about how excited they are to play druids.
1: Druids are sweet. They're sweet.
0: And for all of those veteran players that do know these classes a little bit more intimately, I hope that it gets you excited about playing these as well. If you've never played a druid or a cleric, please, I hope this helps you out and to maybe sway you into playing one of these uh, someday. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. And if you like this episode, please check out our future episodes, which are released every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central. Next week, we're going to be continuing our beginner-friendly series on an introduction to classes as we discuss wizards and rangers. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Britton. And I'm Jaren. See you guys next time.